1: Welcome to Discover Your Spiritual Identity, a podcast that is focused on revealing to God's people who God says you are, the names and titles he has given you in his word so that you can have confidence in your spiritual identity and walk boldly in the roles that God has given you. Now on this particular episode, we're going to be focusing on on one of the most exciting, one of the most powerful names given to the people of God found in James chapter two, verse five. Let me read it to you. Listen, my beloved brethren, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who love him? The first thing that grabs my attention is the simplicity of the condition. God says, if you love me sincerely, deeply, intensely with all your heart, that's all God requires, just love him. Then he said, my kingdom belongs to you. It's your inheritance. It's not like one of those fable characters where uh, some king promises his subject, if you do such and such a thing, I'll give you half of my kingdom. God says, I'm going to give it all to you. What an amazing promise found in God's word. Now, not only are we referred to as heirs of the kingdom in James 2.5, we are referred to as children of the kingdom in Matthew 13.38. There's a connection between those two titles. Matthew 13.38, that's who you are, That's your identity, your spiritual identity. You are children of the kingdom. But James 2, 5, heirs of the kingdom, that's what you have. It's who you are and it's what you have. And we need to discover what that comprises, what that involves, what that includes. What is a kingdom anyway? The word kingdom means a king's domain. It is his area of authority and influence. And if you are heirs of God's kingdom, then he is delivering into your hands the potential ability of advancing his kingdom affirming his kingdom in the way you live and the things you say, and most importantly, revealing the reality of his kingdom by the way you change the world around you. We are heirs of the kingdom, not only for our own sake, but more importantly, for the sake of others. We inherit this gift from Almighty God in order to give it away to others who need it so desperately. Now, the kingdom of God was Jesus' main emphasis when he was on the earth. His first message, an echo of John the Baptist, was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The first main statement of his first main sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, was, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And then the last of the eight Beatitudes was, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I think it's quite interesting to see that the first seven Beatitudes all talk about character qualities and developing a Christ-like personality, a Christ-like way of acting and reacting to others in this world. Blessed are the poor in spirit. That means recognizing your neediness in the sight of God. Blessed are those who mourn. That's having a repentant attitude, mourning over your sins and shortcomings. Blessed are the meek. That person who is meek is quick to submit to God and quick to forgive others. Blessed are the merciful. Of course, mercy is compassion shown to those that are offenders. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. All of these are wonderful Christ-like attributes. But then the eighth beatitude is blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So if you develop your relationship with God and begin to image God in the earth, don't expect everybody to receive you with joy. There's going to be backlash because this world is controlled by the prince of darkness, who rules a kingdom of darkness. And Jesus said kingdom would be against kingdom. So it's like continental plates crashing together, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. But thank God, we as heirs of the kingdom are part of a victorious number of people who have already been prophesied to ultimate triumph. This kingdom will one day rule over all things. And we're a part of something that is eternally stable, a kingdom which cannot be moved. Satan's kingdom will be moved. It's destined to be conquered. It is foreordained to be crushed. But your kingdom, the kingdom of light and the kingdom of love, the kingdom of God is the kingdom that will prevail eternally. Praise God. Praise God for ultimate victory. Now, Jesus's gospel was called the gospel of the kingdom, which he said had to be preached in all the world for a witness to all nations before the end would come. Not the gospel of a denominational title being placed over your life. And many denominations are doing a wonderful work, but Jesus didn't come to set up another organization. He came to invade this world that was full of satanic strongholds with a kingdom that would topple those strongholds and harvest people into the family of God. So his gospel was called the gospel of the kingdom. His word was called the word of the kingdom. His parables were referred to as parables of the kingdom. And uh, when he rose from the dead, he spent 40 days on the earth talking with his disciples, teaching them things pertaining to the kingdom of God. He even told us when we pray to make this request, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Listen now. First request in the list, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so this should be not only a title we bear, but a passionate prayer we pray. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When I say that statement, I don't say it like a prayerful plea, like I'm pleading with God or begging God to manifest himself in this world and in my life. When I say your kingdom come, your will be done, it's more of a proclamation of faith because it's a prayer of faith, not a begging that God will do it, but a claiming that he's already committed to do it because his passion when he walked the earth was to manifest the kingdom. And he's just commissioning us as his prayer warriors to continue in this same vein. I remember one time I was in India. I had the most amazing experience. I had a layover uh, in Bombay, India, and I was told by the airline that I would have a 12-hour layover as a result of some delay taking place. At first, I was disturbed about it, like we all are when our plans get changed. But then I realized, you know, God may be in this. I put out feelers, and that's the way you should respond to unexpected circumstances. Put out feelers and say, well, God may be in this. God make me sensitive to what I should do or where I should go. Well, they sent me a little notice from the airline that their policy, if there was over an eight-hour layover, was to put everyone up in a five-star hotel. And I thought, yeah, I, I can put out feelers for that. That sounds good. I've never stayed in a place that luxurious. And when I got to the hotel and checked in, I kept eyeing the restaurant over to the side that had a special that was really nice food like I hadn't eaten after a month of being in India. And I was planning on going into that restaurant as soon as I checked in and having a fantastic meal. But remember that statement, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? The manifestation of the kingdom is unbreakably tied to fulfilling the will of God in your life. And that's how the kingdom manifests. You flow under the inspiration of the king of kings. And you and I are the subordinate kings that are reigning with him over darkness, over satanic agendas, over the flesh, over the world system. We're here to manifest the character and promises of God so that his kingdom can advance. But to do so, we've got to flow in the will of God so that we are where we should be, when we should be, to say what we should say, to whom we should be speaking. All of those are important factors. So anyway, I was looking at that restaurant entrance and thinking, oh, praise God, I'm going to have this wonderful meal. And then right when I walked through the doorway, I heard the voice of the Lord. And he said, don't go in there. Go out on the street. I've got a job for you to do. That's when logic kicked in because I thought, I don't have an interpreter with me. How could I function out on the streets? The people in this region speak another language. I don't remember. It may have been Hindi or Gujarat. I don't remember what they speak in Bombay. But anyway, my mind kicked into this thing called reason. When the Bible said, lean not on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord with all your heart, In all your ways, this is key, in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Well, that's part of the kingdom flowing in your life is acknowledge God in every circumstance and say, God, this is yours. My life is yours. Whatever you want me to do, your kingdom come, your will be done. That's a powerful affirmation. So I kind of begrudgingly obeyed God and walked out of the restaurant doorway and then out the doorway of the... Fancy hotel I had just checked into, out into the street area, which wasn't exactly completely safe. But if you're walking in the kingdom, you should walk fearlessly because he said, fear not, little children. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Listen, people that are kingdom-minded and kingdom-manifesting people should be fearless people, because the king of the kingdom is with you, and nothing's going to take you out of this world until the appointed time. So anyway, I started walking down the road, and I was praying that prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done, and I just kept meditating on that, pondering that, declaring that, expecting that. And all of a sudden, this short little man ran out of a restaurant next to the big hotel And he ran up to me and in a high-pitched voice, he said, what is your name? I said, my name is Mike Shreve. He said, that sounds like a Christian name. By any chance, are you a Christian? I said, by the way, I am a Christian. He said, by any chance, are you a Pentecostal preacher? I said, by the way, I am a Pentecostal preacher. I was totally awestruck, totally amazed. He said, good, good, there's a man needs to get saved right now. Come quickly, come quickly. I could hardly believe What was going on? uh, This never happens in America. That's supposedly a quote unquote Christian nation. Far from it now in many ways. But here a predominantly Hindu nation is where I'm at. and, and, And this supernatural connection is taking place. I was just completely filled with awe. Anyway, this man had been witnessing to his boss for about two years. And his boss decided on his way to work that night that what he had was real. And he told his chief waiter, which was the role the man filled, I've decided I want what you have. And he was so intimidated praying for his own boss, he just takes off running and he runs outside the restaurant, hoping there'll be somebody out there to help him pray. And I just happened to be walking by halfway around the world from home, but functioning in the kingdom. See, if you are an heir of the kingdom, the moment you got born again, you were translated into the kingdom of God's dear son. That's the scripture. It says, giving thanks unto the father who has delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. So you are functioning in and under the king's domain, the king's dominion. That's what kingdom means, the king's domain, the sphere over which he has authority. So you're functioning in a heavenly kingdom the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, these terms are synonymous. I know some people divide them up and say that the kingdom of God is a more comprehensive term, more all-encompassing term, and the kingdom of heaven is just a part of the kingdom of God, but I'm convinced that the two are synonymous because you're talking about the same kingdom by referring to the one who rules it, the kingdom of God, or the place from which it's ruled, the kingdom of heaven. There are parallel passages in the Bible where the same story is told. And in Matthew, it says kingdom of heaven. And another gospel, it says kingdom of God. So it's really talking about the same thing. Those who are born into the kingdom, enter the kingdom. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. But the same time you enter the kingdom, according to Luke chapter 17, the kingdom enters you. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you. And we may get on that particular passage more on a future podcast. So you're in the kingdom and the kingdom's in you. It's like taking a bottle and throwing it out in the ocean. An open Coke bottle, say. And it sinks down under the surface. You can say the bottle is in the ocean, but the ocean is in the bottle. In like manner, when you get born again and the king of the kingdom comes in your heart, then praise God. The kingdom is in you, but you're in this ocean of this kingdom presence all around you that is immeasurable and indescribable. What a blessed person you are, children of the kingdom and heirs of the kingdom. Well, anyway, uh, this restaurant owner said, I want to talk to you. And we went out behind his restaurant and talked for two hours. He finally said, I'm ready. And he prayed and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ into his heart. And then we talked a little while longer. We talked about various biblical matters. And then he told me, he said, let's go back to my restaurant. And so we got up and started walking toward his restaurant. And in whispered words, I don't know why he whispered, but he's broken English. He said, when we get back to my restaurant, He said, then I am going to turn the lights down real low. I'm going to shut all the shutters and I'm going to lock the door. I thought, what's this guy into? I said, what happens then? He said, then I'm going to call all my cooks and waiters out and I want you to tell them what you just told me. I said, well, what kind of religions are represented in your kitchen? He said, I have a Muslim, I have a Buddhist, I have three Hindus, I have a Catholic, I have a Janus. He had about seven different people working for him and about four or five different religions represented in his kitchen. It was just an amazing combination of people, some of whom couldn't even speak English. And so he interpreted my message. I preached for about a half hour to 45 minutes, gave an invitation and every cook and every waiter in that restaurant got saved. And before the night was over, they all got baptized in the Holy Spirit as well, speaking in tongues. The kingdom manifested in power. That's what happened on Pentecost. Jesus told his disciples when he walked the earth, there be some standing here who will not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God come with power. When did that happen? The dunamis power happened when the Russian mighty wind came in. To the upper room, and cloven tongues of fire appeared over each of them. And suddenly, cowardly, fearful, intimidated men and women became courageous, lion-like champions of the truth who tore down the religious system of the day and launched revival that's being felt in the world to the very century we're a part of.